0: Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to teach your word, and I pray tonight, O God, that your word would be a lamp into my feet and a light into my path, God. Lord God, may my mind, O God, be your mind tonight, Father God. May you illuminate my thoughts, O God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're talking, the title of our Bible study for the last three weeks has been The Dark Side. And what we're talking about, we started out talking about Genesis one said in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then we discussed that there was a gap between Genesis 1:1 and Genesis 1:2, where a lot of things happened, but one of the things that happened is that the devil, who was then Lucifer, who was an anointed cherubim, a created being, decided that he would ascend up and be, be God. He would take God off of his throne. He convinced one-third of the angels to join him, and then, whenever he began his rebellion, God—you know—have you ever thought about that? Do you do you really think he thought he had a chance? Do you really do you really think that he actually thought he had a chance? I, I don't. I don't know if he. I don't know. If maybe so. I don't know. I just. I just. To me, it is the ultimate foolishness to think that you, you could. That's like an ant crawling up an elephant's leg and thinking he's going to body slam him. It's, just, it's not going to happen. I, I don't care how tough of an ant you are. You're not going to take down that elephant. I, you probably can't even bite through its skin. And I, I, when I think about the devil, you, you know, I think about, I have crazy thoughts sometimes, and that's one of them. Another one is, why, why did the devil crucify Jesus when he knew good and well that by crucifying Jesus, it was going to be the end of him? Why? Why did he do that? You know, it's that—it's pride. It—it it, it just demonstrates to you what pride will do to you. And, and th- that was an aside, anyway. So he got cast down from heaven, and when he got cast down to heaven, the Gap Theory believes that he corrupted the earth, and that the earth was basically judged at that time with a flood that's called Lucifer's flood. Now you won't find that in the Bible. That's—that's—that's. That's, uh, that's, uh, you, you, you will find that in Second Peter. You'll find, you'll find a flood. And, you, and you'll find it also in Psalms 104. We talked about it. You'll find it several places. You won't find the name Lucifer's flood is what I'm talking about. That's a, that's a name coined by Dakes, Finest Dakes. That's what he calls it. But you'll find a flood. And in that flood, the earth went into chaos. Uh, over a period of time, the earth went into... It, it was a prison. It was the destruction of man, destruction of the beast, destruction of Everything. And Satan was put into some kind of prison there where even light and dark were intermingled, which always fascinates me that you can intermingle light and dark because the first thing God did was separate them. So they had to be intermingled. So Genesis 1-2 shows up. God recreates the earth. He recreates the animals. He recreates, brings the land up, runs the water off, puts the water in seas, Puts the birds in the air, makes the sun and moon and star appear. He recreates everything, and the last thing he does is he creates man, Adam. And then he creates a woman, Eve, and from Adam and Eve, we gain all of us. So Adam and Eve were told, if you remember, you can partake of any garden, any tree in the garden except the garden tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Have I lost anybody? Y'all still with me? Okay, you can partake of any tree except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, of course, Eve was convinced by Satan who had inhabited the body of a serpent. And that serpent discussed this with Eve, and she partook. And then Adam partook. And whenever they violated the law of God, when they violated that requirement, then they their spirits instantly died And then their flesh began to die, and they were cast out of the garden. They were each cursed. The the man, the woman, and the serpent were all cursed. They were cast out of the garden, and we began mankind as we know it now. So that's kind of where we are. So we got got to there, and so we're going to start there tonight. So Adam and Eve are out of the garden, and... Last week we ended it with talking about three kingdoms that are upon the earth. Three kingdoms that are upon the earth. Tonight we're going to look at two of those. We're not going to get through all of it, but we're going to to start two of them tonight. So the first one is called the kingdom of God. The Bible says about us, it says the kingdom of God is within us. So the kingdom of God, if you read your sheet there, it is the sovereignty of God, which is moral and universal. It existed from the beginning and will know no end. It is over all and embraces all. So if you go with me to Psalms chapter 24. Psalms chapter 24. What a great, what a great Psalm. 24. 24. Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. He hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. The earth is the Lord's. The universe is the Lord's. The billions and billions of stars in the Milky Way are the Lord's. It all belongs to God. Why does it belong to God? Because he made it. He stood out on nothing, looked out across nothing, and commanded it all to show up. And I know, I know what the big bang theory is, but I'm telling you, I bet, I, oh, was that it? Was that the big bang? <laughs> I would bet you that whenever God said, let there be, I would imagine there was a huge bang. As a matter of fact, if you could get out in front of of, of billions and billions of stars and and planets and Milky Ways and galaxies and black holes and asteroids and comets, and if you could get out on the end of that thing, because Albert Einstein says it's just a big circle. Did you know that? Albert Einstein says the universe is a circle. It's just so vast that you you can't circumvent it. But he says the universe is a circle. And so if you could get out ahead of that thing somehow, I would imagine it's still making noise. Because the the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And He made it. It belongs to Him. The rock you're riding on belongs to Him. So the, the kingdom of God is everything. If you go on to read here, it says the whole world belongs to God. He's the creator of the earth and therefore its proprietor. All which it contains, everything which goes to fill up the world, animals, minerals, vegetables, and men, all belong to God. He has a right to claim them and to dispose of them as he pleases. The kingdom of God, number one, has God for its ruler. What I just said is that the universe, according to Albert Einstein, is a circle. It's a, if, you could, if you could ever orbit it, which is so vast you cannot, but if you could, Albert Einstein said that you would end up in the same place you started, just like going around the earth. So let's look at Hebrews 11.2. 11. How about 1? Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1. Back in the back of your Bible after Philemon. Unless you're from Louisiana then it's Philemon. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 1 says God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the Father's by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things and by whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and listen, listen to this upholding all things by the word of his power when he hath by himself purged our sins set down on the right hand of the majesty on high. You want to know how the world continues to Orbit like it's supposed to? It's because it orbits on the word of God. You want to know what the circular universe revolves around? It revolves around the throne of God. Everything moves like it's supposed to move because God told it to do it. Now you can tell me gravity, and I I agree, gravity's probably got something to do with it. But if you're going to tell me that something that's 93 million miles away can cause me to rotate in a perfect orbit and get back to the right spot exactly 365 and a quarter days later every year for year after year after year, I'm going to tell you that if that much gravity is moving this big ball, then I don't know how we're standing up because that that's, a, that's a phenomenal amount of gravity that holds a, a, a multi-billion dollar ball. There's, we're not sitting on a shelf. Did you know that? That sun out there is not sitting on a shelf. (laughs) Those those planets, Saturn's a huge planet. It's got rings and, and 20 moons and all kind of stuff. It's not, it doesn't have a string holding it somewhere. It's just suspended out there in space. How does it stay up? The Word of God. He put it where it's supposed to be and he said stay there. And it moves like he told it to move. Even physicists, if you... If you delve down a little into, I, I took a little bit of physics when I was in college, and even physicists believe that somehow the universe is fluid, that somehow the universe is like a trampoline. It's got a, it's got a membrane to it, so it's got some give to it, and the sun simply presses down on that membrane, and as it does, the planets naturally roll around that sun. But if, if, if that's, if, so they don't even believe it, what I'm saying. It stays there because God told it to stay there. Why? Because it's the kingdom of God. It does, if he wants to get rid of it tomorrow, he'll just say whatever he wants or clap his hands or say be gone or, or just stare at it hard and it'll go away. It'll go away. He's in control of all of it. He can tear it all down and he can remake it again. The kingdom of God is universal. The kingdom of God is uh, eternal in its duration. It's unlimited in its scope. You serve a big God. You serve a a big God once again. The devil thinking he can overthrow that is is almost insane. It's insane to think that it could could even happen because the, the earth is the Lord's. The universe is the Lord's. And it all moves according to his word. And it revolves around his throne. And so that's the first kingdom that you that you know about. is the kingdom of God. It is everything. It's the air that you breathe, it's the trees that you see, it's the people that possess the planet, it's the oil reserves, the gas reserves, the, the solar energy. You just think about, you just think about air. Think about the air that you breathe. It's only, and some of you people that are in the safety department can help me help me here. But I think it's only about 20% oxygen. Is that that right? 20% oxygen. It's 70% nitrogen. But all the other airs, carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, all the other gases, nitrogen, all, uh, all the other gases are all involved in what you can't even see. But somehow you can crack it and cause those gases to boil off at certain temperatures and you can separate it. You can't even see it. You can't touch it. You can't feel it. But it's got matter and it's got substance. How in the world could that happen without God? Think about the, 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 the phenomenal thing you just, just air. The, the phenomenal thing that all the rivers run into the ocean, but the ocean never feels. You know, there's just rain clouds that come and go that we don't think anything about. And something that's lighter than air carries millions and millions of pounds of water and drops it on us? I, I, just the whole creation, everything about it talks about the amazing awesomeness of God. Beyond comprehension, beyond the ability for me to understand, be, beyond my, his, my thoughts, beyond, beyond anything that I, could, that I could hope to imagine. And you know how they hit the moon? Do you know they don't chase the moon? You know that, right? When they send astronauts to the moon, they don't—they don't just shoot them up there and they get on their horse and try to chase that thing. They don't—they don't do that. They can't fly fast enough to catch it. So what they have to do is they have to say, "Okay, it's here now, but in three days it's going to be here." So they shoot here to intercept it. Do what? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. They're shooting skeet. <laughs> Very expensive shell. <laughs> but how can they do that? Because that moon follows the laws of God. The Earth follows the law of the or, the orbit. They know. They can tell you when comets are going to show up that haven't been here for a hundred years, and they'll say, "Oh, it's going to show up next year." How do you know that? You can't. You didn't follow it, because it's the laws of God. It's in the kingdom of God. It follows his laws. It's in perfect order. It's in perfect harmony. Everything works as it should. And everything is upheld by the word of his power. He doesn't have to go out there and wind it up. He speaks it, put it in motion, and it goes and does what it's supposed to do. Praise God. What a wonderful kingdom, the kingdom of God. Whenever man fell... If you remember, God gave man dominion over this earth. Now I tried to think today the best way to describe dominion over the earth, and here's what I came up with, and maybe it's a I'll let you decide if it's a good or not. When God God didn't give the devil the earth. Because the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. He doesn't have the earth, but he has dominion over the earth. So what does that mean? That means he has dominions over the kingdoms that are on the earth, the kingdoms of man the kingdoms of animals, the kingdoms of plants. He has dominion over that. Does that make sense? Is that easy to understand? He doesn't, he, he doesn't have the earth. He simply has dominion over those things, the kingdoms of men, the kingdom of the, of the animal kingdom, you, say, you because the animals were not designed to eat each other. When did that happen? When man fell. The creation also is cursed. The creation also came under that kingdom and authority. What else happened when man fell? Plants began to produce briars and thistles and thorns. Never produced that before. So once all those things begin to come to pass, you begin to see how the, the, the kingdoms of the world came under the dominion of the devil. So at the, whenever, the, whenever Adam and Eve are out of the garden, we now have two kingdoms that are in functioning. Number one is the kingdom of God, which is over all. And number two is the kingdom of the devil, which is over the kingdoms that are on the earth. Anybody have any questions about that? We good? I feel good. Oh, I feel so good. <clears throat> okay. I'm looking for that umph. All right. So let's look at the sheet for just a minute here. When man fell in the original sin, he relinquished authority of the earthly kingdoms to the fallen angel Lucifer. In a pre-Christ earth, Satan had authority over the kingdoms and the inhabitants of the earth. Only the one who chose to be covered by the blood of bulls and goats were in opposition to the kingdom of Satan. So, the devil had his kingdoms but god reserved unto himself people who if they wanted to follow him could follow him and 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 be his children per se but not like we are they were only they were only under the they, they couldn't be inhabited by god because they were not redeemed but they could follow the will of god and they could do exploits for god because they were remember whenever adam and eve sinned what he did He killed an animal, covered him, him, and and the blood became the thing. Abel's sacrifice was accepted because it was with blood. It was done from his heart. And so God had a race. Now, if you follow follow through Genesis, you'll find that God always had some people that wanted to follow him and not follow the devil. And, And because they wanted to follow him and the kingdom of God is there, then God made a way for them to be a part of his kingdom and not a part of the kingdom of the devil. Does that make sense? Are you with me? So Adam had, Adam had a bunch of kids, but he had three boys in particular. He had Cain and Abel, and Cain killed Abel, right? And so when Cain killed Abel, he became a murderer, and so he, and God told him, if you do this, you're going to fall, this is not going to be a good thing, And he fell into sin. And so his line, whenever you read in Genesis, his line is the line that is the line of sin. But they had a third son. His name was Seth. Adam had Seth at 140 years old. So at 140, Adam had Seth, and Seth's line was a godly line. And whenever you begin to read through the the Genesis chapter 4 and 5, you find the line of Seth becoming more and more and more and more wicked, as it should, right? Because it is of the kingdom of the devil and the line of Seth being more and more and more godly as it should because it is of the kingdom of God. But there came a time whenever the, king, the sons of God, the, the, the people that were following God started intermarrying with, this, with the line of Cain and then the whole earth became wicked. Why? Why did the whole earth become wicked when that happened? Because they left the kingdom of God and they went into the kingdom of Satan. And the kingdom of Satan is more and more and more wicked. When they did that, then the earth became wicked and God showed up and found one man, right? But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So of the hundreds of thousands, maybe several hundred thousand probably, people that were on the earth, God found one man, who still wanted to be in the kingdom of God, and that was Noah. And God made a way for Noah to be able to continue while he destroyed the rest of the earth that had followed apostate under the kingdom of the devil. Did I lose you? Still with me? Noah rides the boat for a year, gets out of the boat. He has three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. So if you continue to follow the, the, the gospel, you'll find that Ham was wicked. He birthed a son named Canaan, who birthed a son named Nimrod, who led a rebellion on the earth against God. So he was disqualified. You'll find Japheth was part of that rebellion, and he was disqualified. And the only one that did not follow that was Shem. So Shem became the line of the people that were still following God while the lines of Ham and Japheth began to move into the kingdom of the devil. You still with me? So you got Shem, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Yeah. Sh-sh- did I say that right? Yeah. His line is following God, and from that line, you come to a man whose name is Abraham. He's through that line. And when you get to Abraham, Abraham follows God like nobody else ever followed God. And so let's go now. I got you there. Now let's go to Genesis 15. It took me a minute for us to get there, but let's get there. Abraham followed God like no man ever had followed God before. He he followed the kingdom of God like no other man. He shunned the kingdom of the devil like no other man before him ever did. So if we go to Genesis 15... Verse 6, if I get to going too fast or if I get confusing, y'all let me know. We'll, we're going to go slow here. It says of Abraham in chapter 15, verse 6 and he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Abraham is the only man in the Bible that's called a friend of God. <laughs> Moses is the only man in the Bible that God talked to face to face. But Abraham was called a friend of God. And because he was a friend of God, and because He followed God, like no other man had ever followed God, God made a covenant with him. Now I won't, I'm going I'm to read through this covenant and I, and I know it's, it's kind of weird, and I know it's a little bit confusing, but let me just read through it and then we, we'll talk about it. Number. So number verse uh, 12, well, let's go ahead and read the whole thing here. Verse nine says, and, the, and he said unto, and God said to Abraham, Take thee a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years, and a ram of three years, and a turtle dove, and a pigeon. And he took them all, and he divided them in the midst, and laid each part one against another. But the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, and, lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that's not theirs. And a And shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years, and also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward shall they come with great substance, and they shall go forth to their fathers in peace. And thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down. And it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between the pieces. And in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, "Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates." So we've got a covenant. All those things that Abraham divided up—they all have meaning. They—that that all has it all. That—that that is all sim- symbolism. It all has meaning. But the point—the part you need to understand is that God passed through the covenant he, he met Abraham and he made a covenant with Abraham regarding his seed now the reason why that's important is because if you turn there and you go to Jeremiah 34 Jeremiah 34 Jeremiah's Psalms Proverbs Ecclesiastes Song of Solomon Isaiah Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, jonah I'm not going to name So if you go to Jeremiah chapter 34, remember God made a covenant with Abraham as he passed between the parts. That was the covenant. That was the moment that God made a covenant with Abraham. And here we are with Jeremiah several thousand years later in chapter 34 verses 17 through 20 we find God saying these words, Therefore thus saith the Lord, You have not hearkened unto me in proclaiming liberty, every everyone to his brother and every everyone to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim a liberty for you, saith the Lord, to the sword, to the pestilence, and to famine, and I will make you to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth, and I will give the men which have transgressed my covenant, which have not performed the words of the covenant, which they made before me when they cut the calf in twain and passed between the parts. So that, that what they talking about there when they cut the calf in twain and passed between the parts, who was there when that happened? Abraham. We're about 3,000 years down the road now. Was there another covenant? No. Then why did God tell those guys 3,000 years later that you passed between the covenant, between the the parts. Why did he tell them that when they weren't even alive yet? Do what? They were in the loins of Abraham. Just like I'm guilty of original sin because I was in the loins of Adam. I wasn't alive. But I was in the loins, in the lineage of Adam. They were in the lineage of Abraham, and the lineage of Abraham was the kingdom of God, and they have chosen to follow the kingdom of the devil. And his complaint to them is, you made a covenant with me when you passed between the parts. You weren't there, but you're of the lineage of the kingdom of God that made the covenant. And so... God's always had a godly line, and his complaint is that his godly line has chosen to go under the power of the, of the kingdom of Satan. Now, not, ever, not all of them did. Jeremiah obviously did not. And God told Elijah whenever Elijah thought everybody had left him, what did he tell Elijah? I have, I have 7,000 that have bowed their knee to bell nor kissed his ring. So God always has a, a group. There's always a group of people that want to follow God and don't want to follow the devil. And even though society may be following the devil, that doesn't mean I have to, right? That doesn't mean you have to, and that doesn't mean they had to either. So the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the devil existed together throughout the Old Testament. From Genesis to Malachi and the 400 years following Malachi we have two kingdoms in constant battle. The kingdom of God and those who want to stay with the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the devil, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan. Are you all with me? So let's continue here. Let's, let's look at, let's, we're going we're to look at something here. Let's look at the book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Because some people say, well, you know, the, the devil didn't, he didn't really Have that power. He he didn't really have that authority. Did did he really? That's the question. Did the devil really have the power and authority over the kingdoms of the earth that he thought he had? That's the question. So let's let's look at some things around here and see if we can come up with an answer. Jeremiah, I mean, Jeremiah, Luke 4. 5-7. through This is the temptation of Christ. You can read the same thing in Matthew. Luke just says it a little clearer. Luke chapter 4 verse 5 says, and the devil takes Jesus up into a high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them for that is what does yours say? (laughs) Delivered unto me. And it and to whosoever I, the devil, will give it. So he has, he tells Jesus, I have this power, and I can give it to you. So the Companion Bible says this. The devil claims to possess the right to the kingdoms of the world, and the Lord does not dispute him. He doesn't say, oh, no, you don't. Um, If we go on to keep reading here from the pulpit commentary, it says the devil, according to Luke, he, Satan, does not attempt to conceal the fact that he has not absolute possession because who has absolute possession? God. The kingdom of God has absolute possession. So the devil doesn't even claim to have absolute possession but claims authority as delegated to him. Who delegated it to him? Who delegated power to the devil? Who man did when he sinned in the garden? He he delegated that to the devil, and the devil says, "I have the power to delegate it back to you." Right? That's what he said. So that power was dedicated, delegated to him by man as he fell, and is capable for being delegated by him to another. It is true, relatively in so far that his usurpation of power must have been prevent, permitted. As our Lord's, Lord's term for him, Jesus calls him the prince of the world. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Um, uh, let's, we'll go, let's go there. It's always better to read it. It's a Bible study, isn't it? 2 Corinthians. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. It's right after 1 Corinthians. Right before Galatians. New Testament book. 2 Corinthians, we're, going to, we're just going to read one verse here. 4 4. I hope I got the right reference there. Uh, 4 4. In whom, the, oh yeah, I did. <laughs> How about that? Amazing. In whom the God of this world, uh, let's, we'll read more of it. Let's, let's start at 2. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them who are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. So Paul calls him the prince of the world, the prince of this world. If we go to Ephesians, you're in Corinthians, just go back a few more books, and you'll come to Ephesians probably about five or six, maybe seven pages back. Galatians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So if you go to Ephesians and you go to chapter 2, we have another name for, for the devil. He's called the prince of this world. In Ephesians 2, 2 he's called, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the... Prince of the power of the air, the spirit which now worketh in the children of disobedience. So we've got two names that confirm that the devil actually has dominion of the kingdoms of this world. He's called the prince of the world and he's also called the prince of the power of the air. So he has those kingdoms. Everybody good? Okay. So, believe it or not, when I went to study the kingdom of the devil, I can't find anything really written about it. Uh, yeah, I know. So, what I did was, I, uh, I just sat down and I thought of everything I could think of. And may, you may have something to, to add to this. But if we go to the book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. I know I'm moving you around a lot tonight. But if you go to Matthew, Mark, Luke. You'll find four things that Jesus says about the devil. And we're going to study these four things over the next couple of weeks to find out how he works because we don't want to be ignorant of his devices. So, number one, Luke 11, verse 14 through 26. But we're not going to read all that. We'll just read a part of it. Verse 14 says... And as he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb, and it came to pass, when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. But some of them said, He cast out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of devils, and others tempting him sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falls. If Satan also be divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? So God, Jesus himself says that he has a kingdom. Because you say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub, and if I, if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. So the first thing he says about the kingdom of the devil is that it is not divided. It is not divided. It is focused. It is focused. The king, the Satan's kingdom, verses seventeen through twenty, tells us that his kingdom is not divided. It has a sole purpose, and everyone in the devil's kingdom works for that sole purpose. What is the sole purpose of the devil? His sole purpose is to overthrow the kingdom of God on the earth. That is his sole purpose. His sole purpose when he was in heaven was to overthrow the kingdom of God on the throne. He was cast down to earth. So now his purpose is to form the earth and to make the earth his kingdom. His sole purpose is to destroy the kingdom of God that currently exists on the earth. That is his purpose, that is his focus. Everything he does has that end in play, and his kingdom is not divided. Okay? Everybody good with that? You feel good? Let me hear a grunt. <laughs> okay, his sole purpose is to overthrow the God, kingdom of God on the earth and to be worshipped on the earth as God. To be worshipped as God. Now, these are the things I wrote down that I could think of. You may have some to add to it. But these are the things that I thought of this afternoon, or I say I thought of them, I'm hoping the Holy Spirit brought them to my mind. Surely I, I hope because I, I, I certainly was hoping he would. So these are the things that the Holy Spirit brought to my mind of the things that are the kingdom of Satan. Number one, Satan's kingdom, his method is always to kill, to steal, and to destroy. John ten ten. you probably know that one. The devil comes to kill, to steal, and And to destroy. The first thing you need to understand as a child of God when you are coming in contact with the kingdom of the devil is that he is not a misunderstood friend. The most momentous moment in 20th century history came in about, and I don't remember the year, but it's about 1939, when a prime minister of England flew from London to Berlin. And negotiated with Hitler to say, we will give you Austria, and we will give you the, that area, we will give you that if you'll agree not to take anything else. And Hitler agreed and signed a piece of paper that said he agreed. And Neville Chamberlain came back from Berlin and got off the plane, and you know what he said? He held up his piece of paper and he said, I give you peace. In our time if he would have went over and destroyed Hitler when he was small he could have saved the lives of 70 million people 70 million they estimate died total civilians and all 70 million people 798,000 American servicemen were killed and wounded and we were just one country 798,000 American servicemen were killed or wounded in Europe. Neville Chamberlain brought us peace because he negotiated with the devil. And if you negotiate with the devil, you'll have the same results because he's not a misunderstood friend. He's someone who is here to kill and steal and to destroy. That is the purpose of his kingdom because if you are against him, then he wants to destroy you because his goal is to be worshiped as God and he's not going to get it from you. And so his first number one in his kingdom is his method is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Number two, as we've already said, he is the prince of the power of the air. Now, I wanted to show you... um, I don't know where the time goes. Uh, let's go to Daniel. I want to show you this, and I'm sure Pam can probably do a better job of talking about this than I can because she's, she's uh, very much acquainted with the Daniel fast and what all that involves. And so if we go to, what chapter are we going to here? Daniel 10. Daniel 10. I want to show you what the prince of the power of the air looks like. To demonstrate to you what this looks like and what it does. Daniel 10, verses 12 and 13. Well, let's 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 start. I'm gonna I'm I'm kinda of skip through here. So chapter 10, uh, verse 1 says, In the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a thing was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, the time appointed was long and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at any time till three works were fulfilled. Why is he fasting? Why is he fasting? What's he seeking the Lord for? He's seeking the Lord for the answer to this vision that he's had. He's spinning, right? Is that right? Am I I right here, Pam? He's had a vision. He wants to know the interpretation, and he begins to seek the Lord. And for three weeks, he seeks God for an answer to this vision. So now that I've told you that, let's hop down to verse 12. Verse 12, well, let's go to 11. And he said unto me, O Daniel, man, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto you and stand upright, for unto thee now am I sent And when he had spoken this word, he came unto me, and I stood trembling. Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and chasten thyself before the Lord, thy words were heard, and I am come forth for thy words. For the first day, the first of the 21st day, 21 days, this angel came to bring the answer. Why didn't he show up for 21 days? But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. 21 days. Who is the prince of the kingdom of Persia? That is the power of the devil in the air. That's the power. That's, he's the prince of the power of the air. You want to know how come sometimes your prayers seem like they're not getting through? It's because you've got a, you've got a, you've got a power of the air up there that's standing against you. The one that controls the heavens is the one that answers, the one that uh, determines whether or not prayers are answered. Right now, the prince of the power of the air. But if I get in here tonight, as we've lifted up praise unto the Lord and as we've worshiped him and as we've glorified him and as we've lifted his name up, we've blown a hole through that. We've blown a hole through that prince of the power of the air. We 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 are in one with Christ right now. Because we are here, but th- but what I'm telling you is this: Sometimes when it feels like you're having a hard time praying, you, do you know why now? Yeah. The prince of the power of the air stands against you. Sometimes when it seems like you pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, and you can't get an answer, you say, "What is going on?" I'll tell you what's going on: There's a battle in the heavenlies going on, and as long as you keep praying and pushing, you'll keep you'll keep pushing the battle. It's it's just it's just like whenever whenever Joshua's down there fighting and. And, he's, and, and Moses raises his hands and as long as Moses raises his hands Joshua begins to win but if Moses begins to let down his hands what happens to Joshua? He starts to lose and they have to get Aaron and Hur over there to hold Moses' hands up so Joshua can win the battle and it's that way whenever you're trying to get a prayer through and it's not seemingly going through and you can't seem to get an answer to it and you have struggled and you have prayed and you have fasted and you cried and you've f- you laid on the ground and you've you, you, you done everything you know to do, stood on your head, stood up here in the front, you've done everything you know to do, and you can't seem to get an answer. The, the answer is that there's a battle going on, and you've got to keep pressing. You've got to keep fighting. You've got to keep calling those things that are not as though they were. Why? Because you're not fighting against flesh and blood, baby. You're fighting against the power of the prince of the air. And if you want your prayer to punch through, then you've got to keep punching Daniel fasted 21 days, 21 days, and, and that angel had to call Michael, The uh, I don't know how angels fight, that would be pretty cool to look at. I'm not sure if they swing sword. I don't know what they do. But here's what I do know, that angel had to call Michael to come help him, to punch through. The prince of the power of the air to get this revelation to Daniel. God sent it the first day, but it took him 21 days of fighting to get through the prince of the power of the air. So if you feel like you're struggling in your prayer life, keep pushing. That's good. It's good to struggle. You say, that's crazy. No, it's not. Because whenever I'm praying and I'm struggling, that means the devil doesn't want something to come through. It means he's saying, oh, no, 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 that ain't going to happen. We ain't doing that. If, if I let that happen, oh my goodness, where will this thing go? I'm not. We're going to stop that, and he'll. He's hoping you wear out before his forces lose. But if you won't, wear the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Do you understand that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Why? Because as you keep pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding, and pounding that that rock's going to break. That, that hole's going to occur. The angels that are coming to minister to your need is going to come through if you'll keep pressing. But there's a fight going on because you're fighting against the kingdom of the devil, that's the prince of the power of the air. Man, I just, I just knocked that out of the park. There's a bunch more of them here. But none of you brought a pillow, so we're not going to be able to finish So we'll start here next week. We'll start on three. He can transform himself into an angel of light. So we're talking about the kingdom of the devil. We're talking about the kingdom of Satan and what it consists of. It's not divided, it is focused with one goal, and that is that he would become the God of this earth and he would receive worship. So I better quit. Anybody have any questions or comments? Is this, is this making sense to you? Is it kind of coming together? Okay, so next week we'll start on item three. We'll try to finish the kingdom of, of, of Satan and then we'll start into the next thing that God tells us about that kingdom in Luke 11. So, All right. Well, if nobody has any questions or comments, stand with me then and we're going to be dismissed tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for this direction tonight, God. We thank you, Lord God, for your power. We thank you for your authority, Lord. We thank you, Almighty God, that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And now, God, I pray, Almighty God, that you would protect this people, that you would keep your hand upon them, God, that your glory would cover them, that that your power would anoint them. Lord God, that they, Almighty God, would experience you in a greater way than they've ever experienced you before, God. Let your holy power, Lord, sit upon them, Father God, you your anointing oh God move them forward in you God and father God may we overcome all the works of the devil God to destroy his kingdom oh God in this area father and we give you praise for it in Jesus name and for your glory amen amen God bless you have a great week we'll see you Sunday morning bring ple-